Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust, a podcast for digital transformation leaders where we discuss the latest cyber attack issues, enterprise security strategies, and current security events so that you can successfully accelerate network and security transformation. And now here's what's on our mind this week. Welcome everybody back to another episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. It's Pam and Lisa, and we have a special guest today, Deepak Patel, who heads up OT and IOT here at Zscaler. And you know, it's an interesting topic because there isn't a week that goes by, if not every day, every other day, somebody's always asking about what is Zscaler doing with IOT and OT and where do we see the market going? So with that, Deepak, if you could, could you go ahead and just give us a little overview of your background and your role here at Zscaler? Pam and Lisa, thank you for having me on this podcast here. So I have an extensive background on networking application and database security. And you would ask, what am I doing here with OT and IoT security? It just so happens that when you connect pretty much anything to the internet, the same kind of security is required. So I joined about 18 months ago, give or take, to lead this opportunity here at Zscaler to extend our platforms and make sure that we can provide the same zero trust security that we are providing for users for more than a decade now to bring it over to the device side. I don't have to explain to the audience here that there's gonna be a huge explosion of devices. It's gonna be driven by, by multitude of factors, whether it's 5G, industry, port auto, you name it. End of the day, anything that's connected to the internet will have security challenges. And how do we solve that? How do we make sure that we are not force fitting an IT solution into OT is my primary goal here. That's awesome. Deepak, are there any specific trends? You know, it's so interesting because when you look at IoT and OT devices, in most instances, you cannot apply like an agent or that. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things you're seeing from a trending perspective that users are, or, or organizations are trying to, what are the trends that are top of mind to all of them and that you're seeing? Yeah, so the trends are actually driven by the business need to connect these devices. So depending upon what needs to be connected, whether it's a technician or an employee that needs to connect back to these OT systems, or whether it's these sensors or gateways that need to connect to the internet, the need changes. But ultimately, it is what we talked about in Zero Trust. When I joined, is like, yeah, Zero Trust works for the user side of things. So if you look at it, what are we doing? We are eliminating the attack surface. We're making sure that Identity is a big portion of what happens to this device, what systems can be accessed and what systems cannot be accessed from that. That basic concept of not connecting the user or the device to the network significantly applies to the OT world. I'll give you a simple example. In the OT world, you have a lot of systems that you can't patch as often or some of them are unpatchable. So in that context, look at how zero to supplies. You can connect a user to that system but not the user's system or the user's network onto that OT network. I know I'm trying to explain something that may be abstract, but I'll actually call in Lisa because <laughs> she is the expert on it as to how do you connect a user onto a system, but not really bring them onto the network? Because that's really fundamentally what we are solving for in the OT part. Yeah, and that's a challenge that we've struggled with for decades, literally. 10 years ago, I was at Juniper Networks and we were dipping our toe into the OT and IoT waters. And at the time, the tools that we had were remote access VPN. So if you had an operator who needed to get access to an HMI, a human machine interface, some kind of console, you would give them VPN access. And you had to be really careful about how you did that so that you didn't overexpose the rest of the network so you could really control who it was connecting to that console. 
I believe that the same need still exists. We need to get people connected with appropriate components of these OT networks, but we need to be a lot smarter about how we deliver that connectivity. Absolutely. And going back to the drivers, it's actually the business model change. Yes, COVID has caused a lot of digital transformation and, and changed a lot of things, but it's also proven that as third parties are maintaining these OT systems, they're much more efficient doing it when they're connected remotely because the same technician, without having to fly in and out of cities and just handling one OT system at a time, can now sit remotely from wherever they are, connect to multiple systems, not at the same time, but on the same day, and actually improve the efficiency of the factory floor. Imagine if something broke down in the factory floor, if you had to wait for the technician to fly in, then do it there, versus you have remotely connected this technician where they've already figured out what parts need to be ordered and the parts just flew in, it makes a huge difference from an uptime perspective. So a lot of what happens in the OT world is very business driven. I'll give you a rail car example. In the rail car industry, you'll be surprised to know that the amount that's spent on ball bearings determines the gross margins of the company. So it behooves them to figure out which vendor's ball bearings are about to fail and do predictive maintenance and replace them. One of the customers that I was speaking to said that if they're able to do even 15, 20% of what they're envisioning, that changes how they report financially. Wow, that is so interesting to think something as simple as a knowing when a ball bearing is going to go out, be able to be proactive, switch it out before it goes out, how it actually results in hardcore dollars. That's, that is really interesting. Exactly. That is what is driving this OT. In the OT world, the word that's used is not digital transformation. I'll lay in a bit of education here. It's called digitization. It's taking a physical process and making it digital Whereas digital transformation is about data, this is about physical process. So I wouldn't intermix the two terms. That's one of the things that I've learned over time. The OT folks actually care about, they've already done a lot of automation. Now they're looking at how do they digitize what's going on and actually make this in such a way that it transforms their business. Because they look at this and these are industries that have been around for 50, 60, even 100 years. And here comes the new world where if they don't adapt to it quickly, think of this like the 3D printers, how they've revolutionized even space travel. Look at the number of companies that are talking about using 3D printing capabilities and, and launching stuff into space. We're about to see that kind of stuff happen even in the OT space, whether it's something that you commonly use every day or it's something that a manufacturer is doing today. It's so interesting. So Deepak, you've been here a while now. Can mm -hmm. you give our listeners a view into the offerings that Zscaler has relative to IoT and OT? Excellent question. What we have done so far is we have taken the existing ZIA and ZPA platforms and we have seen where we can apply them. You asked earlier about you require agents for the users. What do we do for devices? In fact, I'll give you customer examples. We have a customer where they have thousands of sensors and gateways strewn across the United States. They're collecting data. And these sensors are like eight, nine years old, so you can't really run any agents on them. They're running 32-bit operating systems. So what we're doing is we're connecting these sensors via IPsec tunnels into the Zscaler cloud. And as, uh, as cumbersome as they are, we've kind of mastered the art of creating and connecting and managing these tunnels. And that's the best solution you have for connecting these devices to the internet, not just connecting them, but we're also able to inspect the device traffic 
or the sensor traffic as it tries to connect to, let's say, a private application in an Amazon S3 bucket or something like that. So we are able to do that at scale without putting agents. There are multiple benefits to it. So the sensors are not exposed to the internet. And even if a sensor gets compromised because they're, uh, they're not physically protected, they're somewhere in the middle of nowhere and there's no way to physically protect them. So if there's a compromised sensor, you can inspect the data and make sure that compromised data is not getting into your predictive analytics portion of it. And ultimately, you're now able to use internet as a transport. This all love sounds familiar, right? So what we've been doing for users, this is just at a different scale with a lot more constraints. It also pushes the availability of our platform to newer heights. If you go to trust.zscaler.com, you've seen that we are already in the upper nines when it comes to availability. So that helps us extend these capabilities into these devices and also help devices that couldn't get this level of protection. These are really critical devices. That's one of the use cases that we are driving. And the flip side of it is on the manufacturing floor where we are allowing third parties and technicians to remotely connect to these systems without deploying agents. So we are now able to provide the console-based protocols like RDP, SSH, and we are also looking at VNC. How do we provide this access so that the third party doesn't have to deploy any agents on their laptops or their devices? And that's been a challenge. At least as uh, can provide more light on that as to you walk up to a third party and say, hey, you have to deploy an agent and you'll see the face colors, <laughs> lots of expletives that will come across with it. It is not just a business challenge. It just becomes they're servicing many other vendors, many other customers, so they can't deploy 20, 30 agents. Mm -hmm. So we're pushing more towards the user side to be agentless. But on the other side, we're also making sure that our zero trust component, what we call as the, the small reverse proxy or the app connector component of it, can also run in industrial environments. So we've, we made it run on ARM64 based platforms. It can run, it is always able to run on Intel platforms, but we also Dockerize that stuff. Not suggesting the use of Raspberry Pis, but you can run a lot of our zero trust components on Raspberry Pi like devices today. So a whole lot of things, but we are very cognizant of the constraints that we are in and what are the, the use cases that we are driving for. I would just like to summarize that, summarize that with, if a device needs to be connected to the internet or a user needs to connect to a device or a system or the internet, that's exactly what we solve for. And those two happen to be where your biggest attack surface comes from. No so I'm going to jump off from that yeah. attack surface comment. Mm -hmm. This is what we're doing. Why should people care? Why is the approach that we're taking better than approaches that have existed in the past or other options that may exist today? An excellent question again, right? So especially in the OT world, they wouldn't change anything. But just take a look at the set of attacks that have happened in 2021. It is not like some of these attacks have actually targeted the OT systems themselves. But the fact is they start from an open endpoint or something that's open to the internet. If you go today, there's this tool called Shodan and you look at what are, what's available on the internet, I can bet you that 70% of what's being advertised on the internet are not IT systems, they're OT systems. Why? Because it's the OT personas are not as aware of security. Even if they were aware of it, that's not part and parcel of their jobs today. Their job is to keep the plant up and running. Their job is people and plant safety. So if people and plant safety is at the midst of it, they will find any easy way of connecting these systems to the remote third parties. I've talked to companies where they have 30 different VPNs. Some of them even have 4G LTE connected to them where the networks are connected to many vendors. Their goal differently, their goals are different. So what's different with our approach? The difference with our approach is 
we're not going and telling these people that it's about cybersecurity. It ultimately comes down to plant security. Think about that water plant. I think it was in Florida earlier this year. What were they doing? They were doing shared passwords. So they were doing shared passwords and it was something that was accessible over the internet. I don't have to delve too deep into colonial pipeline, but at the end of the day, it was a VPN. It was a compromised credential. So it's not just one or two components of zero trust that's going to help you. The whole thing will help you. But just taking these systems out of the attacker's visibility changes the equation significantly. You can't patch these systems, but if you make them private, I compare this to like how you can deal with immunocompromised patients in the COVID world. You can't vaccinate them, but you can vaccinate everybody around them and you can double mask everybody around them. That significantly reduces the risk for the immunocompromised patient. What I'm saying is a lot of these OT systems are consider them as immunocompromised. So what we are bringing to the table is all the other capabilities. The user is posture checked. The user is coming through an isolated session. They're not able to connect to the network. Yes, there's a bit of a lift, but the benefits far outweigh the challenges or the hurdles that they're going to face. If you had asked me this question 12 months ago versus now, I would have said it's moving slowly. But from 12 months ago to now, I get a lot of inbounds where customers are asking, we understand your user story. What's your OT story? So it goes back to Pam's original opening comment about it's becoming a daily thing because there's people in plant safety involved and above everything else in corporate America, it affects your bottom line. That's what's driving it. Got it. So if you had sort of a high level summary, if someone who's faced with Mm -hmm. this challenge today, what should we be looking for when you're assessing these security options? You've talked about restricting access, eliminating the need for agents, reducing the attack surface. Are there things beyond that that people should be assessing or evaluating? Absolutely. I talk to customers all day long where they start with this typical checklist of Let me detect all my assets. Let me do risk and vulnerability management. So they go down this path because a lot of these frameworks, as good as they are, they were actually borrowed from the IT landscape. Alisa, based on your experience, having dealt with both the OT and IT personas over the last decade, how have you seen this evolve? Like, especially the relationship between the OT stakeholders and the IT stakeholders. Oh, gosh. That relationship has always been a little fraught. I am the poster child for that. I had a new toy 10 years ago. It was an open standard for automation and orchestration. And we'd been using it for IT security use cases. I was working with a distinguished engineer at Boeing to extend it into the OT use cases. And I got invited to speak at a industrial control systems conference. And I submitted my slides. And the organizer of the conference was kind enough to reach out to me and say, you haven't presented to an industrial control systems audience before, have you? And I'm like, no, we have this cool new toy. And he's like, let me tell you what happens when an IT person comes into an OT space. You start talking about all of the security considerations, the things you need to do, and the OT guys immediately tune you out because their biggest concerns are the reliability, the function of the equipment, the safety of the people around it. Mm -hmm. And cybersecurity 10 years ago, It's on their list, but it's item three or four, and that's correct. That's appropriate in their environments. So I think what has changed over the last 10 years is that we're starting to see those two camps moving closer together. I believe that OT communities are recognizing that cybersecurity is part of reliability and safety. And I think that IT camps are recognizing that you can't just go stomping in and require everyone to patch their devices and upgrade off their old operating systems. So hopefully... 
we're coming closer, but I think there's still a big priority and alignment gap that exists there, frankly. Yeah. In short, what I would say is the plant operations teams are getting better at recognizing this. They're recognizing the fact that whichever system needs inbound access, I, my suggestion to them is don't jump into the micro-segmentation deep end. Start with what exactly is this access look like? Work with your IT side of the house and figure out what are they doing today? How are they enabling this with zero trust? It's extremely important to reduce that attack surface. No matter how you cut it, that happens to be the biggest challenge. More for inbound stuff than for outbound, because you can manage in outbound situation with existing technologies to some extent. But when you start doing it across multiple locations, what I've seen customers do is they prove it in one location, not realizing that replicating this across hundreds of locations would make it easy with a cloud vendor versus an appliance vendor. I talked to a customer just recently. They started an SD-WAN rollout three years ago for a thousand locations. They hit the milestone of 25 locations just a week ago or something like that. Truck roll across 120 countries in different locations. So be very cognizant of all these challenges. Look for a solution that's easier to deploy and don't try to shoot for the 100%. You will never be 100% protected. So what is the biggest risk? It's not the PLC system, it's the user's device that is connecting to that PLC. I talked to another customer where they said, for cost reasons, we have this one PLC programming station that needs flat network connectivity to across 120 locations. Is it really worth that risk? (laughs) That one PLC programming uh, station getting infected is gonna bring down your entire plant operations like across the world. The business risk needs to be outweighed I'm sounding like a parrot now, but eliminating the attack surface any which way should be paramount versus just looking at the technology of how you're going to do it. Makes sense. Deepak, it's so interesting. And I have a, this may sound like a really silly question, but are IoT and OT devices equal when it comes to security? Definitely not. The first thing I would say is when you think about IoT, there are three categories to it. There's the consumer IoT, that's the Nest devices that you, you're all running in your homes. God save all these IoT devices. Then there's the enterprise IoT devices, which could be your telephones, your smart TVs that are running in an enterprise context. Now, the last and the most important category is industrial IoT. Think of, uh, take the example of Pfizer. So when they're shipping their vaccines, they wanna make sure that the entire cold supply chain is maintaining that temperature. So the Nest thermostat, which could be a couple of degrees off at your home and doesn't bother you as much, when you put a thermostat in that industrial environment and it's going in a container, that suddenly now becomes industrial IoT. You need to have double the sensors, you need to have protection against it because what if that data from that sensor is getting tainted? The industrial IoT, the cost of the device is not a huge factor. It's about the integrity of the data at the device is far more important because of the precious cargo that it's carrying. All of them are created differently. And now you add another layer of their connectivity is not gonna be like your home internet, like right now I'm getting gigabit connectivity at home. It's nowhere near that. So you need to put that into consideration. And OTs is a different beast altogether. This is like 40 year old, 50 year old systems that are running unprotected stuff and they were meant for the control network. And a majority of what IT deals with is management and data. There's almost no intersection other than the fact that they're all bits on the wire. 
So we've got IT, IoT, IIoT, OT, EIEIO. We've got all of these different areas and they're coming together in ways that we haven't expected. And sometimes those combinations become more challenging than the original use cases. Are there any key takeaways that you want to leave us with as we think about how this evolves in the future, as we think about how we deal with these environments today? I would say, especially as you go higher up in the chain with the CIOs and CISOs, my one advice would be do not take your IT security playbook and try to edit it and make it work for the OT side of the house. Start afresh, understand their goals, and then deal with it. But I would say the solution happens to be the same. If you're able to hide all these things from the internet, you are already at a better place. So that changes the priority of patching, that just changes the priority of whether you need to discover all these assets. So it gives you a lot more time to roll out a better strategy than to be stuck at phase one. I've talked to so many healthcare companies that are like, I need to discover all these assets. Okay, you discover them. Do you have the infrastructure to stop blocking them and doing things? And they would say, we don't. So <laughs> how about you start the other way around? How would you hide all of them and then go about discovering and then go about segmentation uh, at different levels? That's a great point that the big picture is we need to offer that protection that buys us the time to do the right thing, whether that's in an industrial environment where you can't patch or an enterprise environment where you could patch, but we still aren't for all of the perfectly valid reasons. Yep. I think that these spaces may be closer together than we think. Yeah. And something drastic has happened. And the White House is talking about bringing zero trust concepts to OT. And this is, uh, this is a big moment. I talked to all the OT manufacturers, uh, Siemens, Rockwells, and the likes, and they're like, this has never happened. So many initiatives that are targeted right at the OT landscape. We definitely seem to be at an inflection point, and I hope that where we come out the other end of it will lead to better reliability, better safety, and of course, better security for everybody. Absolutely. Well, thank you for... Thank you for joining us today. It's always interesting to hear your perspective on these things. And I'm so happy that Zscaler is committed to working in this space and helping to improve the circumstances in these areas. Thank you, Lisa and Pam. And thanks everybody for listening. We hope that this was informative. We'd welcome any comments. If you want to suggest topics, feel free to hit me or Pam up on LinkedIn or send us an email. And we will look forward to having you join us next time. For listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Trust. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. You can find Lisa Lorenzen and Pam Kubiatowski on the CXO Revolutionaries website at revolutionaries.zscaler.com or on LinkedIn. Statements by Zscaler podcasters and guests are informational only and should never be construed as legal advice. You should consult with your legal advisor on matters related to you or your business. Zscaler makes no warranties, express, implied, or statutory as to the content of this podcast, and it is provided as is. Content on this podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are current as of the date of recording and subject to change. These statements are subject to the safe harbor provisions created by the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Full legal disclaimers are available at revolutionaries.zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.